You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. Welcome to For the Lore, coming to you from April 15th, 2019. Uh, this week, your hosts are Marty and Vince. Joe and Roger are out this week. Uh, Vince, did you get your taxes all taken care of for today? Yeah, I uh, put it off a little while, but handled business, no problem. Yeah, um, that's all I want to talk about it, because otherwise... We're going to rant about something other than Destiny 2 or any of the lovely <laughs> games that we're going to talk about tonight. And that's where we're going to dive into right away with uh, Destiny 2. Two things of news. One, uh, there is a new free comic, uh, which I have breezed through a couple of times, uh, called Cades 6, where he gets together a whole bunch of uh, gets a crew together on the Fallen Shore. Uh, including Soraya Hawthorne, uh, off-world for a change, uh, and some figures from lore, including one of the six coyotes, which is kind of cool. The six coyotes guarded pilgrims um, and people trying to get to the city. Uh, so it's, we, it's more modern than I thought. Like, I, I hadn't read it, so just when you mentioned it being Cade 6, I was thinking it was going to be like a classic tale, but if Hawthorne's in there, it's pretty current. Right? It's it's a, It's like right before he gets murdered by... His people, um, the Drifters people, because I'm, I am of the opinion that Drifters sold the Hangman, the bullet, not the Hangman, uh, shot the, uh, sold the bullet that killed uh, Sundance. So mm. that would make him, by Illinois law, an accomplice to murder. So, granted, we don't know exactly where the tower is, do we? No, we don't. We <laughs> know in it's Illinois. In, it's in the south. Ah, what defines south. Yeah, the south of what? <laughs> right. Um, there is one other thing uh, next week, uh, or I think by the time this podcast is out, uh, we will begin the revelry, which is a new seasonal event where Titans get funny horns uh, or funny. Let me rephrase that. Awesome looking horns. Uh, warlocks get like ears. And I think hunters are getting feathers. And you're going to return to the uh, the Verdant Forest, which is also known as the Haunted Forest, which is also known as that procedural flop in Curse of the Warmind. Oh. But did you play um, any of the Halloween event? No, I don't. I with Destiny 2, I did the what was it? The, the faction events and those were garbage. So I never bothered with literally any of the rest of the events they did. So this new event, um, it's based on the Halloween event where you go into the haunted forest, the cursed forest, the timeless forest. I don't know. I keep forgetting the name of it. Endless? Forest? Endless forest. Hey, I remember right. the thing. So it's you get a fire team together or you jump into a fire team with other people. You're going to be running around filling up a container, basically. Uh, the more stuff you add to your container that you just get by killing bad dudes the cooler things you get like faster kills or stronger, more regular orbs or whatever. 
but it'll be procedurally generated and it's going to be a new set of skins for the whole event, which will make the endless forest kind of fun because the Halloween event was awesome. Uh, hmm. It was like a dark and spooky corridor and everything was popping up and there are these impossible to kill hive gods that were showing up. It was a lot and they would chase you. So it was fun. So I think the revelry will be fun. The uh, armor sets look fun. And we've got about four more weeks left of the Ecdysis lore. Ecdysis, which is a noun, I looked this up, that means to shed one's skin specifically in regards to reptiles and insects. And it's about the progress of an awoken woman who becomes, well, a, a colonist who becomes awoken, who becomes a guardian, who then becomes the emissary of the nine. So it's pretty cool. Hmm. There's four more week. According to the Triumph, there's four more lore entries that we have to find. Uh, so there is just a wealth of information about Destiny 2. Um, unlike the uh, Warmind comic, uh, I don't know who the writer of this comic is, but the comic itself looks great. It does fit with everything that's coming out. Like they are slowly dripping out a lot of lore and a lot of cool stuff that's playing within the game. So it's it's worth checking out. Um, if you like that kind of thing around here. No, we don't, we don't do that here. No. What, what do you do around, around your thereabouts? Game wise. That is, I, I was referring to for the lore, but we don't do lore here. Oh, I was referring just to playing video games. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, like everybody I know up here, like they're involved in like one sort of, uh, loot game or another take 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 your flavor choice uh some people play a lot of people still play destiny a lot of them moved over to the division but we still also have like as i know like still hardcore like diablo players so well let's talk about one of those loot shooters that are coming out uh borderlands 3 yeah i we, we're still getting little bits of information i think it, they said may 1st is like finally like the big borderlands 3 reveal but I stumbled across a very welcome little piece of information. We saw in the reveal trailer that a lot of the classic characters are going to be coming back from across the franchise. And we had specifically talked about Reese from Tales from the Borderlands. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. What was interesting, though, is uh, Troy Baker, Reese's voice actor, at least from Tales from the Borderlands, found out Reese was in the game at the same time we did because he was not chosen to uh, voice the character that he did previously for one reason or another. If you asked a baker, he auditioned and never heard back from them. But uh, if you ask Randy Pitchford, uh, Troy Baker turned down the position. So I'm always of the opinion, don't listen to anything Randy Pitchford says. But for one reason or another, Troy Baker is not, unfortunately, going to be in Borderlands 3. On the other hand, somebody who will be in Borderlands 3 is none other than Ashley Birch. She, uh, her, actually her first big role in video game voice acting was in the first Borderlands game as Tiny Tina. And she has since gone on to incredible heights, uh, voicing Chloe in Life is Strange, as well as Aloy in Horizon Zero Dawn and numerous other credits to her name. So while not everybody, but it looks like we'll be back. I am very happy they got Ashley back because I cannot imagine anybody else voicing Tiny Tina, that character 
is just amazing top to bottom. I'm sure if Roger was here, he'd start screaming into his microphone because he loves Tina more than anybody else. Yeah, I got that feeling because uh, uh, last time we talked about Borderlands, there it, that news wasn't out yet, and he was talking about much he really, really wanted Tina. So I guess I pay attention to what Roger says on the show. Well, someone has to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was there anything else about Borderlands 3 that, that we should be the that came out uh just tiny little like there there's like a 30 second trailer kind of it hinted a little bit more at like what the different uh character classes are going to be um with uh one of them's definitely going to be like the pet class i was mixed up it's actually the the tiny little soldier girl that gets the giant mech so perhaps changing my main character nice Nice. I think uh, looter shooters need more mech action. It makes everything better. Well, yeah, mechs are the best. Mechs are pretty grand. They are pretty grand. Um, I still haven't finished Borderlands 1, but I've been enjoying it still. Yeah, um, you have been. Pl- have you been playing with Raj? No. No, oh. we're never on time at the same, never mm. on at the same time. And then when Raj gets on, I end up seeing the rest of my fire team for Destiny 2, and we're all trying to do, like, other shit so how you liking it though it's a lot of fun um i see why it's so popular i do dig the story um there's a vague cortana feel to this vault angel Mm -hmm. um and that's definitely on purpose because the way it's drawn and pixelated in the color palette choice um but it's fun and i'm playing mordecai and so mordecai uh, is awesome i loved mordecai it's a lot of fun to snipe in that game, but fucking those, um, uh, they look like the Demogorgon from Stranger Things. Those skags. Oh, skags. skags oh, my God. Like, it, it, the first, like, 10 levels in Borderlands are brutal in my eyes. Like, that first boss probably took me 20 tries every time I ran through. And the once you get to, like, level 10 or 15, like, start getting decent skills and good guns. Like the game opens up so much more, but God skags just skags are never fun. Yeah. I just, I sniped the guy. That was awesome. I'm, I'm a big fan of sniping. Um, okay. So that's all we got for borderlands for right now. We're going to revisit this as the game goes on. And we find <laughs> we'll be talking about stuff. it every week between now yeah. and when it comes out. And then every week after it comes out. I'm going to do my best to like get another five levels in so I can get to the next zone uh, by next week. Uh, But Vince, uh, tell us more about this game called war of the spark, because I looked at it uh, and thought it had something to do with the transformers and it does not. It does not. No. Uh, War of the spark is actually the name of the new magic, the gathering expansion coming out uh, in a couple weeks. So listeners, the podcast know I have, recently gotten very into magic the gathering by way of magic the gathering arena their uh, hearthstone-esque uh digital version which i still say absolutely fantastic check it out it's free uh but it's really cool to see a what wizards is doing now that they're in that night that sweet esports money <laughs> they put out uh, a trailer for <laughs> war of the spark uh, a few weeks back that 
just blew everybody away. It was by far the most production value they've put into any announcement with regards to Magic the Gathering. <laughs> and it blew everybody away. I think it was at uh, it was at PAX because it uh, coincided with the Mythic Invitational that they did there. So I'm like, okay. And then they started, of course, revealing cards and stuff, which I like. I was super into them revealing the last set, uh, the Ravnica Allegiance, just because like the guilds and the color combinations I really enjoy playing were involved in that. So like I was daily like refreshing Reddit and finding all the latest spoilers and stuff. So I saw that again here and I was like, I was a little less interested this time around because mechanically nothing was really quite jiving with me yet. But I started like in the comments seeing like all these more interesting discussions and I always knew Magic the Gathering had a good amount of lore behind it and that, you know, each set kind of has its own story. I did not realize exactly how deep it was until I started researching exactly what's going on here with War of the Spark. So War of the Spark, if you watch the trailer, uh, essentially involves Nicol Bolas, the giant evil dragon, uh, invading the plane of Ravnica, which we've talked about uh both in regards to magic and now Dungeons and Dragons, uh, which is, you know, it's one of the most popular settings in uh, magic's history. And it's going to be the place where this war goes down. And we see in the trailer armies full of zombies ripping the literal souls out of planeswalkers, like crazy shit's going on. I'm like, okay, interesting. But again, when I started doing more research and finding out more, this is a story that they've been building to for quite a while. Like, again, each sort of set has, has its own storyline, but this is now the culmination of several different storylines coming together. Uh, to briefly run it down, uh, going back to the uh, the Kaladesh set, which came out, I'm sorry, no, the Amonkhet set, which came out a couple years ago before I started playing, uh, which was like an ancient Egyptian-themed set where Nicol Bolas was, of course, there because he's got his claws and everything, uh, had essentially set up his own religion where uh, warriors were fighting to the death for an ultimate prize. Only come to find out that ultimate prize was being turned into immortal zombie warriors. Uh, fast oh. forwarding. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, and, that's, that's, yeah, okay. I'm down. And then uh, fast forwarding to the next set, the Kaladesh, which was a more like technologically advanced plane that they were visiting. Uh, Tezzeret, one of the planeswalkers who is in service to Bolas, had discovered a, a planar gateway, if you will. Because as it is, unless you are a, quote, planeswalker, you can't travel between planes. Tezzeret found a way to do that, but only with regards to non-living matter. Coincidentally, Nicol Bolas now has an entire army composed of non-living zombies. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it wasn't until uh, we saw these two different elements come together with the War of the Spark trailers when people started putting all this together of, oh, this has been one big storyline they've been building to for quite a while. Uh, the uh, couple sets after that was the uh, the Ixalan set, which I'm familiar with because it's one of the ones that's currently in uh, Arena, and it's one I play quite a bit because I love vampires in Magic, and that's kind of like... There was a... Uh, high seas adventure combined with like Spanish conquistador vampires. Cool shit. Loved it. Uh, I, where that conquistador vampires. Tell me more. Cause I, <laughs> I hate vampires. I hate conquistadors combine the two. And you have like, you have some bad dudes that I would like to know. More oh about. no, I'm sure they're evil as shit. I don't know all the lore behind them, but I enjoy playing the vampire themed decks and the particular vampires in that set have a conquistador theme. 
they look cool. They're wearing fancy armor and sucking the blood out of people. That's really all I can tell you. <laughs> but uh, one of the big developments in that Ixalan storyline was the discovery of an artifact called the Immortal Sun. And now here's where I'm like, okay, this is now stuff that I recognize because they're cards I have played with. <laughs> and the Immortal Sun has, like, the mechanical card has the ability that uh, opponent or planeswalkers on the board can't use their planeswalker abilities. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Not realizing that's the actual in lore explanation for what the Immortal Sun does. The Immortal Sun literally shuts down the planeswalkers. And now it's where I'm seeing like, oh my God, like I'm starting to figure out that like the artwork on the cards is definitely referencing very specific events in the lore. There's a card I use in my vampire deck called Ixalan's Binding. It's, it's essentially a removal card. Uh, and the artwork on the card is somebody who I now recognize was Jace, one of the Planeswalkers, literally being bound to the beach by the seal of the Immortal Sun. So I'm like, okay, like, I'm really starting to put two and two together here now. Like, it's not just the story that's going on through like the books and, and stuff that, that come out alongside the card sets. But now, okay, the actual cards, it's not just cool artwork that's kind of referential. This is actually very specifically telling you what's going on. So wrap all this up with now back to War of the Spark. And looking at it again, looking at those cards that I wasn't paying quite so much attention to, what Wizards is doing is actually really fucking cool. Because they're actually releasing these card images in a very specific order. Now that we know, you know, the story behind what's going on, now that we know that the actual artwork on the cards is representing actual events taking place in the lore of the game with the mechanical side supporting that. When it first came out, they showed off a whole bunch of planeswalkers because the whole, the whole point here is all the planeswalkers are gathering on Ravnica to fight Bolas, whereas Bolas has this plan in place with the Immortal Sun and the Planar Gate and the zombie army to just shut them down, get rid of them. They've been a thorn in his side for too long. So they showed off, like when they first showed off the set, they showed off the zombie army cards, which, hey, that's really cool. It's a new effect they're putting in, like a whole new keywords and mechanics involved with it. And they showed off a shit ton of planeswalkers. Uh, just, you know, new updated versions of previous Planeswalker cards that have been in the game. Like, okay, that's cool. And, like, the next bunch they released were about, like, the actual battle. Like, seeing, like, buildings on fire and people being, like, uh, running from from big monsters. It's like, okay. And then you get into, like, some really cool stuff of starting to see uh, the gods of Amonkhet that have been killed and resurrected as, like, dark figures. So, like, this is the next step in Bolas's plan, is bringing out this next big threat. Then the next set of cards they released showed off the Planeswalkers and the Ravnikans fighting back, showing Niv-Mizzet, one of the, the big characters there, being reborn and this huge, awesome dragon to fight back with. And you actually see, like the artwork like oh he's fighting this character from this other card and it puts this not just the storyline they're telling not just the build-up to it but the actual public release of the information 
is giving us a timeline for this battle. Whereas the latest ones they released today were like, oh no, you think that the the, the planeswalkers and the Ravnikans are gonna, you know, somehow rise up and stop him. And then it's like uh Nicol Bolas goes full like dark side and Thanos of like, no, 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 we're just gonna shut this shit down with like elder god spells and like just absolute devastation. So I'm respecting this on so many levels now. That's so great. I know. I remember when magic was introduced and um, long story short, I was 20. I was not even 20 nothing years old. I was a teenager. I was running a game for convention and the players that had jo- that like signed up to join my game ditched my game to go play magic. <laughs> and I was furious Uh, And I hold that grudge to this day. But hearing that they have been crafting a multi-expansion story through the cards and the artwork and the supplemental book stuff, but it sounds like you get to the full story just from the cards and like the set that's coming out. Like, and and like, that's, what's cool. It's, it's, I'm seeing the story that's playing out in war of the spark essentially entirely through the artwork now that i'm able to recognize characters and artifacts and stuff like i'm just able to like it's a graphic novel at this point of just looking at the cards in the order they're releasing the information it's so fucking cool yeah you're it's that's really hitting my comics nerd nerve like that that's the kind of shit that like i want more of in games just visual storytelling like we have these great, amazing, powerful assets that can draw all this shit. Fucking do it. That's great. And give me one second, because I'm just now remembering something. I think, don't hold me to this. I think they recently brought in, yeah. Uh, they recently brought in Brandon Sanderson to write some of their uh, upcoming novels. Huh. Yeah. They got money to throw around and they're doing it, but they're doing it in good ways that are resulting in obviously a high quality product. I think that's also really smart just for the brand that is Magic the Gathering and like whatever shit I have and feel towards this as a product, like, oh, don't get me wrong. I still will never like go out and buy packs of Magic cards. No, no, thank you. (laughs) I'm perfectly fine with my with my like free to play online digital version (laughs) no 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 no. everybody go to your local comic book store and buy your magic cards there because that's how we're gonna save local comic book stores (laughs) well i mean that that's what kept comic book stores open through the 90s and 2000s like every comic store i know that was open during the comic boom and is still open today was solely because of magic yep magic and anime that's what that's what kept them open Magic, anime, and uh, amazing customer service and getting to know their patrons. That is what keeps my local Mm -hmm. God bless. God bless uh, First Aid Comics on Taylor. That's all I got. All right, let's let's keep it moving. Um, Tell us about Lancer. Oh, man. Have you looked into this at all? Because I've been talking about it nonstop for weeks. (laughs) I looked in very, 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 very briefly. Okay. Um. But the artwork that is the um, splash image from the Kickstarter is phenomenal, and I love it. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
I follow a select group of people within like the indie games press scene. Uh, you know, like guys like Adam Coble, the guy that did Dungeon World, uh, John Harper, the designer for Blades in the Dark, as well as like journalists and whatnot. So I have seen Lancer for the last couple years. It's been in like open development, like open source beta playtesting for I think about two years at this point. They had just a Google Drive page. Like, here, go here. You can always get the latest version of the rules. So they were developing developing it alongside their playtesters in public. I'm like, okay, pretty cool. And, you know, it's a game about giant mechs. Pretty much perfect for me. <laughs> so like, I was like, okay, this is really cool. Like, I was keeping an eye on it, but they were updating and changing the rules so frequently. I was like, okay, I, I'll wait until there's a more final version before I finally dive in. So... Hearing like a couple weeks back, hey, they, like the final version is done. There's launching a Kickstarter soon. I was like eagerly anticipating. I backed it the first day it went live because <laughs> this is a, a product I definitely, definitely want to support. So what Lancer is, is, you know, it's like I said, it's a tabletop RPG based on piloting giant mechs in a spacefaring sort of mercenary setting a lot of like free form as far as like how you want to set up your actual group get into some of the more uh, technical stuff in, in a little bit but i like here in the kickstarter they break down what lancer is in their four pillars the first pillar is rules light fluid fluid narrative play while outside the mech so this is your social gaming stuff it's going to rely primarily on role-playing and skill checks. That's pretty much all it is. Then, the tactical mech combat that promotes creative tactics, teamwork, and explosive moments of action. So when you actually get into the combat rule set, things get a little more in-depth. There's It feels like almost like kind of like Shadowrun-y to me, where you have like all these different moves you can take and stuff, but it's kind of what I want out of a mech game. Like, I want that... that uh, that mech warrior or armored core experience. Yeah. Third, you have modular progression-based mech customization where narrative, setting, and character is imbued in the gear, systems, and equipment your character chooses. So as you progress your, your pilot, you're going to obviously have a lot of cool tech to play with. And it's got like that destiny flavor of every piece of gear has that flavor text that it's not just, okay, I've got, I found a cool gun. I found a cool gun that was designed here and built by this guy for this reason. And choosing the various parts for your mech will create a story of its own. And finally, a play loop that encourages narrative advancement. So the way this all ties together is you essentially have the three phases of the game, the, the narrative portion, the mech combat portion, and the downtime portion. Uh, the downtime, they uh, took a big uh, tip from Blades in the Dark, which I've talked about extensively previously, where there's actually a mechanized downtime where your characters take specific actions and resolve them. It's largely narrative, maybe one or two dice rolls in here just to determine you know, how successful you are. But it's not just, okay, we go to town... And it's one of those like clusterfuck shopping spree sort of like, things that every RPG campaign goes through in between like the big set pieces. I, I appreciate there being like an actual 
mechanism behind it all rules for i want to craft something i want to buy something like it makes a gm's job so much easier in that it's event true. so yes. like it it's really cool because when you start off uh essentially you just take contracts you can frame it however you want. They give numerous different options. Uh, you can be, again, you can be working for the government. You can be freelancers. You can be mercenaries. You can be pirates. Who, who gives a shit? And you take contracts. You accomplish missions. Anytime at the end of a mission, success or failure, you earn upgrades. And the way you earn upgrades is the company that you served the contract for gives you points towards your license. As you increase your licenses with various companies, you gain access to more and more gear. And you can mix, you can match, you can put a gun from one company on the frame with another, with a navigational system from a third. Uh, right now, I think they said they have five uh, fully made different manufacturers with numerous, numerous options within them for mixing and matching. It's such an interesting way to build your character. So, because you're not, you're not, like leveling up per se like you're just expanding outwards so getting into like some of the actual different mech types you have like your traditional uh like big stompy mech warrior style mechs you have like your lithe and agile gundam type mechs and then i'm just going to read you the actual text for one of them to best explain it this is the pegasus model from horus manufacturing Pegasus marks Horus's concern with need for efficient kinetic combat. By marrying the best targeting systems, subroutines, and weapon hardware, Horus has developed a pattern group that boasts tremendously low time-to-kill ratio and all theaters' kinetic weaponry is viable. The Pegasus PG is known for mounting the Ushabti, a device classified as an unknown threat-level paracausal weapon by Union Law due to its complete ignorance of even the most theoretical understanding of physics. Tell me you don't want to play that shit. I... I backed the. I didn't back it yet um, <laughs> because I don't have it in my RPG budget just yet. Mm. I'm trying to be very strict about what I buy. Um, well, I've got good news for you, Marty. Oh, Whether this? or not you back it, the rules for the game will always be free. Yeah, but here's the problem. Here's the problem with all of that. Um, I'm looking at some of the creators. Um, oh, yes. Let's, let's talk about those creators, huh? Who, who caught like, your eye? Because that's a hell of a list, huh? Uh, Feral Dahl, uh, Dam Dahl, Dahl Rimpel. I'm not going to bother trying. Yeah, Feral Dahl um, Rimpel. Yeah, that's definitely one that flagged me. He flagged me. Um, this is a guy who was part and parcel of the Prophet reboot, uh, which, like, for those who don't know, Prophet was like one of those, uh, like, um, it was Liefeld, wasn't it? Right, it was a Liefeld book. Like, it was like an Ur 90s book, complete with. Weird headgear, swords, looking a lot like Shatterstar from the X-Men. It was Liefeld trying to do Conan by way of 2000 AD. And it's by, just as yeah. terrible as a clusterfuck as you can imagine. <laughs> and they made it fucking rad. Like, this reboot is awesome. Um, then I saw uh, James Stoke, uh, who is a comic book mm -hmm. creator who did... Uh, a whole bunch of really cool Godzilla books, which are pretty rad. Oh God, his Godzilla books were next level. I I don't even understand like how good this could be. Um, and then uh, Daniel Johnson, who was the writer, a creator of uh, Extremity, which is a book that I have been trying to get. Um, I want to buy it in hard copy at my local 
but I haven't been able to, to, to get it yet. It's always out of print or it's always hard to snag. Um, so three comic book related artists uh, who I am already familiar with. So that's, that's pretty good in terms of like hitting me in the sweet spot to back a project on Kickstarter. What I really love about like the various arts people that they're bringing together for this book is it's not a single style. You have right there, like very different styles of comic artists, but they're also bringing in like science fiction, like, uh, clothing designers, uh, marketing designers. Like there's a, a wealth and range of different, oh God, what is the word I'm looking for here? Different, not styles. Uh, there's a word there, Roger. <laughs> styles, I think. I think. Yeah, but it's, it's not what I'm reaching for. There's a different word, but a different. Uh, different schools of of art coming together to to form their artistic here but i also just want to give a shout out to like the guy that kind of runs the thing tom morgan uh if you've never read kill six billion demons go do it it's on the internet for free <laughs> uh yeah he's their uh lead rule designer and kind of co-creator of the the franchise yeah no uh kill six billion demons is uh one of the web comics that is on my list of things to read uh, it's taken a backseat to Aaron's Thor run because right now everything is taking a backseat to Aaron's Thor run because Fair War enough. of the Realms and Jason Aaron is fucking genius, but that that's for a different <laughs> podcast that is recording on Wednesday night. So, but yeah, Lancer RPG, uh, it's on Kickstarter for three more weeks. I think it's only been up there for one week. It has exceeded yeah every expectation imaginable like they blew through literally all of their stretch goals in 12 hours yeah. <laughs> so it's right. like... and and they're doing the they're playing it smart by giving him enough lead time to do the layout to make the changes to polish the rules two hundred and twenty thousand dollars uh the base goal was forty six thousand and one thing I really like about this campaign, because I've backed many different RPG campaigns over the years, the work's done. Like, the game is designed. Like, yeah, there's some little balancing and editing and layout stuff to do, but you're not waiting for somebody to finish writing the book, which I'm doing on one other Kickstarter I backed like a year and a half ago. Still waiting for the guy to finish writing the book, let alone publishing it and all that stuff. So, uh, I mean... Again, yeah. if you go to the Kickstarter, um, I'm going to, where is it? I'm going to link in our Discord so that Roger can put it in the show notes, uh, the actual page, uh, their itch.io page to the actual rules for anybody who wants to check it out. Uh, so check out our show notes later on for that. And you can look at everything the game has to offer yourself before you make an informed purchasing decision. All I'm going to say is that Chip Zdarsky is uh, following a number of these creators that's related to that. And like, I would like to see like more of my favorite writers uh, on comics books, supporting some of these cool game projects. Mm -hmm. But uh, well, now that we've talked about Lancer and we've done the war of the spark, Vince fill us in about moons of madness. There's some moons. They're mad. <laughs> no, this is a, a new game coming out uh, from Funcom, 
the creators of Secret Worlds. Uh, they're not developing it. They're publishing it uh, in in uh, in conjunction with Rock Pocket Games as the actual developer. And uh, this is 100% my jam. One of my favorite horror video games was Dead Space. One of my favorite horror films is Event Horizon because I fucking love it when you go out into space and shit just gets weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's there's there's something with a different edge to it. It might be like the 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 alien side of things, like with the isolation and space, no one can hear you scream, what have you, or just I think as a designer and creator, people tend to go a little more over the edge when you're off Earth, when you don't have that frame of reference of what is natural. Because when you have, like, you know, a typical Earth-based horror game, you don't have to make things that weird for them to seem very out of place. But when you're already on Mars, you kind of have to crank it up to 11 for things to be more alien than they already are. And that's what we're getting here. This is a, a cosmic horror game. Don't know too much about the gameplay side of things, but it looks like starting off as like typical like engineering tech work stuff before the fucking tentacles show up. <laughs> I don't, it, the the trailer was just really impressive to me. It's it ticks so many boxes of games that I that I really enjoy, and it comes out on Halloween of this year. So yeah, Moons of Is Madness. Is it a PS4 exclusive? Uh no, PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Ooh, because it's got some cathonic shit going on. It's got it has some notes of doom. It's got. uh, Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Well, that's, that's why it's so great that they partnered with Funcom on this because like they had this idea and then Funcom was like, hey, that's pretty cool. Technically, it's set in the same universe as Secret Worlds, completely different settings and everything have literally nothing to do with each other. Aside from, yes, they technically exist in the same universe, but what is a universe when you're dealing with extra-dimensional entities? But Secret Worlds did Lovecraftian elements better than damn near any other game out there. So having that pedigree to draw on and those creators to help out with the development and the writing is only going to be a benefit to Moons of Madness. Yeah, I'm, I'm on their main webpage right now, and it's not... Oh, maybe it's not loading because I just said I don't want to use cookies, but there isn't a lot going on with it on the main webpage right now. For I mean, me. it, it, it's one of those games where they've showed enough. <laughs> like They're not going to show you much more other than that minute and a half trailer, I don't think, because it, it, it's a game you don't want to know too much about. Yeah, no, uh, it's a game that I want to play and I would like to play it now. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool. Um, All right. There's one more game we should talk about. Uh, and that is going to be a game that debuted at Star Wars Celebration in the city of Chicago, which uh, if any of you listeners were in Chicago for Star Wars Celebration and you didn't reach out in any way, shape or form to have a beer with me, you're dead to me. I'm holding that as a personal attack and I'm my feelings are very hurt because I'm a fragile little flower. But padawans are not fragile little flowers i am talking about star wars jedi fallen order and i think more important than the story is what we know about the business side of this game first um by this is by respawn entertainment uh, the developers behind such brilliant games as titanfall and titanfall 2 which were 
amazingly fun to play, but not as commercially successful as they should have been. Uh, EA, I'd has say the said, first one was just as successful as it should have been because it wasn't done. Eh. <laughs> no, it was it was literally just showing off what the Xbox yeah. could do. So the second one, however, that, criminally underrated. Oh, the second one is just so much fun. Um, but this is a single player story game, no microtransactions, no multiplayer. Uh, it's not even on the Frostbite engine. And EA has made it very clear it wants everything on Frostbite. Uh, as if you've read the wonderful article on Kotaku about what happened with Anthem, <laughs> is very clear, right? Uh, this is an Unreal Engine game, no microtransactions, uh, no multiplayer, just story. Like, this is so much against what EA has been doing for years at this point. I think it's a nod. Um, I want to know what Naked Pictures Respawn Entertainment has, <laughs> because they right? get treated like they're essentially completely autonomous from the rest of EA, unlike any of the rest of their studios. Like, I mean, great because they're putting out stuff like this but it's so weird that there's one studio under ea's umbrella that's just completely different yeah bioware did get this oh also before i forget uh also the game was directed by stig asmason who is the director of Ge uh, gears uh, gears of war god of war 3 um so this game is coming with stuff that ea doesn't typically do with its AAA titles anymore coming from a developer that is criminally underrated um and the trailer uh is setting up to be pretty rad uh set in between episodes three and four uh, our main character is a guy named cassis or chaos i'm not gonna bother trying to pronounce it fucking properly. jedi they all got weird ass names yeah He's a fucking Padawan who do who dodged a bullet with Order 66 um, and is working on a salvage operation. And the trailer shows them like these giant laser beams cutting, you know, capital ships into tenths. And there's still just city long blocks of spaceship being pulled apart through gravity and laser beams. And uh, we get an overview of what the three rules are for a Padawan. Uh, living in the early days of the empire and man um it looks great it's capturing that uh you are on the run from the empire you're trying to hide uh respawn has said that they worked closely with disney and is they're using comic and other established characters in fact the purge troopers and the inquisitorium are based on some of the work done in the amazing charles soul darth vader run so i've oh, read souls the one that picked that up after gillen yeah i ah, talk about a writing pedigree <laughs> right and so and souls work he's these works with these dark uh, these purge troopers and with the inquisitorium and we see these these purge troopers who are actually really competent for stormtroopers because they are not they're the last batch of clones from the clone wars but um, and we do get a little lightsaber action, but in traditional respawn game action, there's a lot of wall running. There's some force feel, there's some force pulls and some force grabs. There will be a Jedi mentor. Uh, this game looks great. It feels like, I know it feels like this is a, a period that 
a lot of game developers and comic writers want to focus in on the 18 years between three and four, which I'm, I'm fine with that. That's great. Uh, Man, it's where we have the most story to tell right now. Right. It's, it's also, yeah, there's a definite beginning and uh, beginning and end. So we just get to fill in the middle. Um, even on the Marvel side of comics right now, they're getting close to, um, they're getting close to empire. Uh, mm -hmm. in the Dylan run. So it's a it's a pretty bang up job. And the fact that they're working closely and keeping it in canon and releasing these new tricks and I mean the fact that you've got a Padawan who's on the run, that alone is something I've wanted to see for a while because we've seen mm -hmm. it in Rebels. Yeah. That that that's my thing. We've just seen it in Rebels. And Rebels was so good. I, I, I'm a little hesitant on going back to the same story beat again, even if they're coming at it from a different angle. Well, and here's my, my take on it, right? Like Rebels gives has a very distinct run through and I am still, I'm a little, I haven't finished the series yet. I'll be blunt. Um, but the galaxy is a gigantic place. True. Multiple stories for Padawan on the run. And this feels, it. I don't know what it was about some of the setup, but it reminded me of KOTOR so much nice of the old republic for those who haven't played it which it's super cheap go play it but it reminded me of some of the those great beats and it's a it's a story that if done well can really add to the canon surrounding star wars um as long as it doesn't do stupid stuff like this is the family crest of the people that founded the rebellion mm -hmm. blah blah which all got thrown away when disney said like we will be adding stuff slowly over time when it makes sense which let's do this so i i, I like their presentation and, and the angle they're taking of yes you are a space wizard but using your space wizard powers will get you caught and maybe get you killed so like there there's definitely interesting hooks to it that play out differently from how rebels did it it's just a matter of <sighs> Apparently a lot of Padawans survived <laughs> Order 66. <laughs> right. I'm just thinking how many Padawans. I mean, we know. I mean, that, I, of course I mean, granted, they, right? they were getting shot by stormtroopers. So you have to figure there was a high survival rate. <laughs> and, and also, we know that some of the clone troopers pushed back against that programming, too, which was also like, thank you, Clone Wars, which... We can't talk about Clone Wars because we're getting close to the end time. And once you start talking about Clone Wars, all we're you want to turn this into a fucking Wars. Star Wars podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to uh, May the Force Be With You, the new Star Wars focused podcast. <laughs> um, I, I just think there's room for it. And what's different, like, uh, you know, we see Kanan being um, in Rebels. He, you know, he's not he's kind of he's connected to the rebellion you know not more han solo than luke skywalker and here we have somebody that's totally off the radar just does not want to get caught doesn't want to die trust in nothing but the force and then he goes to save his friend who looks like adi who is also from charles soul's amazing poe dameron <laughs> run so it might be like the minute i saw the characters i'm like oh, they're pulling references from some of my favorite writers in the Star Wars uh, canon that I'm like, I need I need this game right now, which good move to get my money. I don't know about anybody else's, but they got mine. 
Uh, I'm still in the wait and see phase. I mean, it's Star Wars. I'm obviously very interested, but uh, I, I need I need a little more to make it a, like a day one purchase. Uh, I I respect that. Like I'm not pre-ordering it. I I've got my my rules for pre-order. Um, like, but I'm gonna I'm excited because I want to play Star Wars games, um, and I wanna I wanna force pull shit all the time. <laughs> okay and that will wrap us up unless vince do you have anything you want to add no i think i've i think i've exhausted my well of awesome shit for the week uh, i know that feeling um so uh this has been for the lord uh you can find us on twitter uh roger is at zen buddhist Joe is at Loader ZJ. Uh, Vince is at Samodine, and I am at Officer Gleason. You can find all of our show notes at forthelore.com. And until next time, did I actually do that closing right? More or less, yeah. What did I miss? Yeah, you're fine. All right, I'm fine. And until next every time, everybody, I get a solid C minus. <laughs> Thank you for listening to For The Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.